so so that uh, you know caught up with me in my late forties and that and just you know pushing that stress button continually not eating like I should, everything else. And my health uh, crashed. First, I identified with fibromyalgia. Later found I was carrying some of the Lyme disease microbes and identified with chronic Lyme disease. But recognized early on that antibiotics really weren't the solution for me. And I think for a lot of people, um, ended up turning to herbs really out of desperation. Um, got my life back. Welcome to Zestful Aging, where I speak with fascinating change makers from all over the world who are contributing to the common good. Contributing to the common good in even the smallest of ways is proven to help us age with vitality and deep contentment. I'm your host, Nicole Christina, psychotherapist and fellow zestful ager. My goal is to share optimism about aging and introduce you to guests who will inspire you to live with zest. And to find out more about this podcast, hop on over to zestfulaging.com. And while you're there, sign up for my weekly email newsletter, The Insider, where you will get behind-the-scenes looks at our guests and other fun tidbits. And if you love the podcast, I'd be grateful if you shared it with your friends. Our music is courtesy of Judy Banker, who was a previous guest on the show. You can find out more about her new release at judybanker.com. And as always, our technical director is Steve Litweiler. Well, we have a wonderful guest for you today. For over 30 years and as a fourth generation physician, Dr. Bill Rawls has dedicated his life to medicine. But when a health crisis in his early 40s abruptly changed his life, he came face to face with the limitations of modern medicine and began to research the vast possibilities of alternative treatments. Today, Dr. Rawls shares the revelations that helped him and thousands of others reclaim their lives and find their own paths to wellness. And he's the best-selling author of Unlocking Lyme. We talked to him about that in a previous episode. Today, we're going to focus more on his new bestseller, The Cellular Wellness Solution. Welcome to the show. Oh, thank you for having me. It's a pleasure to be back. Oh, yay. Well, I just wanted to start with a little history for those of our audience who did not uh, hear the first episode on Lyme. Um, And uh, you spent your life as an OBGYN in a traditional practice. How do you become interested in alternative medicine? Yeah, it's... um... Well, but you to just just to start, um, I went into OBGYN because it is really a very wellness oriented, open minded profession. Um, that uh, the uh, the you know the OBGYN community still does some really great things, but the the downside of OB when I was doing it was every second I have a call every second to third night that I basically. Mm. Uh, didn't sleep um, or had interrupted sleep every second to third night, every second to third weekend for 20 yeah. years. And, and I um, imagine you're anticipating while you're sleeping being woken up. 
Oh yeah, yeah. You know, it. I had partners who could just crash, and and but I wasn't one of those. Man, if I had somebody in the hospital or in labor, I was awake. I just couldn't sleep. You know, that that person's well being was in my hands, and I just sat sit there with my eyes open. Mm. So so that I uh, you know caught up with me in my late forties and. That and just, you know, pushing that stress button continually, not eating like I should, everything else. And my health uh, crashed. First, I identified with fibromyalgia. Later found I was carrying some of the Lyme disease microbes and identified with chronic Lyme disease. But recognized early on that antibiotics really weren't the solution for me. And I think for a lot of people... Um, and ended up turning to herbs really out of desperation. Um, got my life back and, and not like overnight, but it took mm-hmm. like three to five years of really intense herbal therapy to get me back to normal health. But I did where a lot of people don't. And not only that, I'm, I'm 65 now and I've been enjoying robust health. For well over a decade, um, all of that time taking herbs. So the past decade, I've really devoted toward understanding what, why did these herbs have this remarkable effect when nothing else did? And how does that change our understanding of uh, not only illnesses like chronic Lyme disease, but chronic illness in general and the aging process itself? and how herbs can really play a huge role in um, making our lives better. Yeah, I'm thinking, and I want to hear all about that. I'm just trying to think, as a psychotherapist, you have to forgive me, but this identity shift from I'm a a hard-driving physician, I'm, excuse me, you know, fourth generation, I'm doing my thing, I'm in the grind, and then all of a sudden I can't do it anymore. So you're leaving a very traditional lifestyle and belief yeah. system to now all of a sudden you're looking at herbs. What was that like for you as as a professional clinician? Crazy. I mean, it was truly the rug pulled out from under me. It was uh, it was a it was an un, it was a crazy situation in that here this was happening to me but i was practicing in a small town and you know you really don't want people to know that you're ill or they'll just stop coming to see you I and see. i had to stop obstetrics um which meant i had to leave the group practice i was in i started my own practice because I, I, you know, I didn't have a diagnosis. I couldn't declare disability. I had to have some way to make an income. I had two kids in college and Mm. it was, uh, that in itself was highly stressful. So I started this practice really not knowing where I was going with it, that I was doing gynecology. Um, but I dropped the obstetrics part, which really that, that, uh, limited the call. Um, Mm -hmm. but I started, pulling in my journey into my practice. 
that uh, this this exploration of how do I restore wellness, you know, how where do the herbs fit in? I started integrating that into my practice and basically created what would now be called a functional medicine practice. I see. That I see. everything I learned, every step I made, I passed along to my patients. And mm-hmm. my therapy was writing. You know, early on, I started writing out uh, what I call uh, health sheets and health briefs that I would write to give my patients. And, and uh, I started this program that I wrote out on and saved it on a CD and I would patients would come in and I would hand them a CD of this course I wanted to do so you know it was it was definitely stepping outside the margins of conventional medicine hi everyone you may have noticed that zestful aging podcast does not run a lot of ads That's because I'm just not willing to endorse products that I don't have total confidence in and that I don't use myself. So it really means something when I tell you that after I interviewed Dr. Bill Rawls on cellular health, read his books, and learned about his high standards for quality control, I was sold. I placed an order for Vital Plant Supplements immediately. I encourage you to check out both of my interviews with Dr. Bill Rawls and hop on over to vitalplan.com. If you enter Zestful 15, they will give you a 15% off of your first order. I'm really excited for you to try these products. I think you'll be very impressed. Now, back to the show. Where did you even begin? Uh, Just researching, um, looking at what else was out there. At one point, I became certified in holistic medicine, so I was going to conferences. I was, you know, reading other people's opinions on on alternative medicine, complementary medicine, Mm -hmm. and just looking at every other option. Um, and that really became came all before the herbal therapy, but I realized at that time, functional medicine, alternative medicine, uh, you know, integrative medicine really didn't include herbal therapy. And then I found this herbal therapy that changed my life, and I realized that no nobody was really taking advantage of that. And it's uh, so it was uh, something I I incorporated deeply into my practice early on. Mm -hmm. So you were, you know, going to these conferences, reading uh, these, it sounds like journal articles, doing all of this research, and then uh, you were the guinea pig. And it sounds like when it worked, you would pass it on to your patients. You got it. Yeah, yeah. Mm. I did a lot of guinea pig work, no doubt about <laughs> it. What was the first um, herb you used that you uh, found successful? Um, well, it was, uh, I, I started kind of dabbling with herbs before I really understood that I had Lyme disease and, you know, looking at herbs like ashwagandha to balance stress and improve sleep and combining that with other kinds of herbs and, and just uh, using those in my gynecology practice. 
to help with menopausal symptoms. And, uh, you know, my health was improving just with diet and, you know, stress reduction and everything else. But I still had just these oppressive symptoms of brain fog and fatigue and joint discomfort and really bad heart uh, condition that kept just dogging me and I couldn't get rid of. And I finally uh, arrived at this potential diagnosis of chronic Lyme disease, which at that time and still isn't recognized as a diagnosis by the conventional medical community, which is, is challenging. And I happened upon a book um, written by a guy named Stephen Booner uh, that laid out a herbal protocol for Lyme disease, and I used that. But I realized it wasn't going to be like a three-month or six-month thing. I was going to have to do it a lot longer. And from there, I used that as a pivot point to really explore herbal therapy at a deeper level and a much more more wide range level. First looking at herbal traditions, but later really moving toward understanding the science of what the herbs were doing in the in the body. And that caused me to rethink my whole understanding of what wellness is and why we lose wellness and end up sick. Can you explain that process a bit? Because I'm not, I've read about it, but I'm not exactly sure I understand it. So for, for lay people here, what do the herbs actually do in the body? Yeah, that's the fascinating part. When you look at traditional forms of, of herbology, traditional Chinese medicine, Ayurvedic medicine for India, various uh, traditions. I mean, ev- all the world's, uh, all the world has traditions of herbal therapy. You know, it dates back in every culture. But it was all observational. In other words, you know, the people observed that if people had a symptom profile that certain herbs could be matched to that and would help them. But this all predated science, of course. And what I wanted to know was what was going on at a deeper level. And that really, that in itself changed my understanding of how we look at the body and illness and everything else and took it down to a cellular level. So if you look at what the herbs are doing, the herbs are contain chemical substances that are there for a purpose. So plants, us, every living creature on earth is is made of cells. And so our body is made of trillions of cells. Everything that happens in the body is cellular. Well, the same is true for plants. Whether you're looking at um, uh, ivy growing in your yard or a tree, it's all cells. So cells are complex cellular, uh, plants are complex cellular organisms, and those cells are constantly under threat from free radicals, toxic substances, uh, radiation, microbes, uh, you know, there's a lot of pressure on, on cells, living cells, no matter what organism you're talking about. So you have to have protection. So cells uh, or plants have this complex cellular defense system that is there to protect the cells of the plant. And all plants have this. 
So it's been said that plants are the uh, most sophisticated chemist on the planets. They mm-hmm. solve problems with chemistry. So this chemistry that is within the plant um, has potent antioxidants to protect cells from free radicals, uh, substances that neutralize toxins and radiation, and a wide range of antimicrobial substances uh, against bacteria, viruses, protozoa, yeast, everything. Mm-hmm. Um, so all plants have this, but it varies depending on the stress factors that are in the plant's natural environment. So different plants solve, use different chemistry to solve problems. And some of those chemistries aren't compatible with ours. Like nobody would make the uh, mistake of easy eating poison ivy twice. <laughs> but so many plants and plants that we have come to find over thousands of years of trial and error and human use are very compatible with our chemistry. Um, so when we consume the herb the or the plant, then you're getting these protective chemicals. But these chemicals also have regulatory functions. So, you know, plant cells have to communicate because, you know, there's a lot of things going on inside the plant. So plants use chemical messengers. And a lot of those things are like our neurotransmitters and hormones. Um, So when you take an herb from a healthy plant, you're getting those robust defense systems but you're also getting these, these balancing hormones and neurotransmitters that have an effect of balancing our stress hormones in our body. Mm-hmm. So when you, when you look at herbs that way, you know, what they're doing is protecting our cells, balancing our hormones. So that's how we're getting these effects from the plant is this direct cellular protection. Now we have protectants too, But a lot of times those things get overwhelmed. So when you take the herb, you get this extra boost of all this extra protection. And that is, in essence, how they work and what they're doing and why we're getting these effects when we take herbs. Mm -hmm. That's fascinating. Really interesting. I imagine that when you started getting into this, it was pretty exciting to learn about this whole new world. Oh, truly. It's been just a passion. I mean, I'm on the computer and searching in PubMed almost on a daily basis. And Mm -hmm. what's been so impressive is the amount of research that's been done over the past decade into uh, phytochemistry of so many different herbs and how the herbs are working and how they can affect systems and how they can reduce illnesses and cancer and everything else. So a lot of that is going on outside this country, but we have this wonderful resource called PubMed done by NIH that most of the world's current scientific information is is uh, is available on PubMed for anyone to research. It's just mm-hmm. an extraordinary resource. Mm-hmm. Now, um, correct me if I'm wrong, but one of the uh, difficult parts of this is herbs are not regulated by the FDA. Is that correct? It's true. Okay. Uh, well, and they so- are regulated, but they're not regulated to the degree of drugs. 
I see. So if uh, someone wants to start on some kind of regimen, because this is very compelling, um, they have to be a little bit uh, careful that they're just not going into their local store or Amazon and ordering uh, rhodiola or something like that. Um, am I am I right about that? I mean, I've read some some accounts that that has not really uh, gone well, and in fact, if you're not careful, you're you're not getting a proper amount, and it's not the right part of the plant. So, what would you advise people in terms of knowing what they're getting? Sure, it's um, I think it's something you have to be conscious of. I don't think it's maybe quite as bad as people think. So there are companies out there that are uh, doing some unscrupulous things and the FDA doesn't have the bandwidth to police all of that. There's no doubt about it. There's certainly products out there that don't have uh, the actual herb that it says on the bottle or they are not being screened for contaminants like heavy metals and that sort of thing. But, um, you know, you, you, you look at uh, regulation and the very, very highly regulated pharmaceutical industry has been rated as the fourth leading cause of death in the United States mm. uh, multiple times. And it's uh, you look at the herbal industry and their herbal disasters, but they're not quite as frequent. At, they're, they're pretty unusual. It's pretty uncommon. And that's because plants are, you know, the things that we're defining as herbs are tend to be inherently safe. Um, mm -hmm. So there, there aren't that many bad actors out there. And the percentage of companies that are doing unscrupulous things are, is relatively small. That tends to be in herbs where people are looking for a drug-like effect. You know, we oh, want to pump up libido or we want to, uh, you know, cut pain like we would for a drug. And, and you know, so people are looking for the same effect, uh, that really potent effect, um, from an herb that they can get over the counter that, that they would find in a drug. And companies are trying to match that. Mm -hmm. um, and they're doing some unscrupulous things. So, you know, if, if you're looking at herbs for herbs for the same reason that I am, for protecting health, for uh, cultivating wellness, you're already in a much safer place mm -hmm. in the industry. Um, that being said, though, there are there, you know, there are a lot of products out there that are not quite as pure or or as good as you might want. And I was aware of that, you know, more than a decade ago in my private practice, you know, when I was really embracing herbal therapy, it's like, yeah, I want people to have the right combinations that mm -hmm. I know are working from a scientific point of view. I want pure products. Um, so at first I was, you know, p picking and recommending certain companies, but even then I was finding a hard time, you know, getting just the combinations that I wanted to, uh, w because when I'm looking, you know, at a formulating point of view, I'm looking for herbs at, from a Western science point of view of, of how the chemicals and characteristics of the herb are, are affecting uh, our bodies at the cellular level, which is a little different than some of the traditional 
those two things generally mess together, but not always. So mm-hmm. I actually started a company um, to uh, get around that. And, you know, we still uh, are among some of the uh, better companies in the country for testing and making sure the products are reliable. Mm -hmm. So steps that we go through and other reputable companies go through is is doing several levels of testing. So one is uh, testing the extract when it comes from the supplier, but being aware of the source, where the, where the plant is coming from or where the extract is coming from, uh, how it's being farmed uh, under organic conditions, in a greenhouse, whatever. Um, and then testing for contaminants, testing to make sure that the species is correct. And then retesting. Um, So we do at least uh, two levels of testing to verify the uh, the product, the the raw material, and then testing throughout the manufacturing process to make sure that the consistency is correct and everything else. Mm-hmm. Um, one thing that we do to help people understand that is what's on the label. So often you'll buy a product that is a proprietary blend. You know, it might list six different herbs, but it doesn't tell the quantity or anything about the herbs. It just gives you the name and the total milligram quantity. And, you know, I I see that as a way to hide bad ingredients. So, you know, I, I, what, what I like to see on the label is each ingredient listed with a milligram quantity, the standardization of the extract. And of course, there's only so much you can fit on the bottle. So, you know, other information on the website about quality standards and that sort of thing. But fortunately, there are some really good companies out there. Um, I, I like to brag about ours, but there are, other, there are many other really top-notch companies that are doing that level of testing that you can really be assured of getting a good herb. So uh, remind me, is it Vita Health, Bill? Vital Plan is our company. Vital Plan. Yes. Okay. And that you have a website, obviously, and people can go and learn more about um, the herbs you use, why, and and the whole process. Yeah, yeah. We, you know, our, our thing is quality products and education. That mm-hmm. education component is so important. And, um, you know, half our resources are, are devoted just to educating people about why the herbs are useful, how to, how to find a good herb, and how to apply the use of the herbs. So that's, I, that's, yeah, that that's a really, really important, important component. Because, of course, you don't have the commercials that we've become used to seeing right. uh, constantly on TV. So people are less aware, I think, of, of uh, these herbal um, applications. So in the time we have left, and I know this is a really hard question, but could you just name a few of your favorite herbs? If people were going to just start off and say, let me investigate, and I know it's a hard question to answer, but what are a handful of your super all-star favorite herbs? Yeah, well, that's an easy one. I mean, that's, you know, my campaign, my purpose right now is turning people on to the idea of taking an an herbal combination like you would take a multivitamin. You know, there's not a lot of evidence that that 
taking a multivitamin does all that much. I think it's fine to do. I think it, you know, if we, it does maybe cover for some things that are missing in our diet. But what we really need is this protection from the phytochemistry of these plants. And there are herbs where you would want to use more transiently for a specific purpose, like, um, you know, if you wanted something for your joints or wanted something to uh, promote calm uh, or help with stress. But there are herbs that really don't have any drug-like effects, that they're only protective. And these things can be taken long-term, really the rest of your life, um, to protect your cells. And with that, uh, protect the aging process and protect you from illness uh, and cancer. Mm -hmm. Um, So I see this as a really important thing that if everybody was doing along with maybe changing their diet and reducing stress, wow, we could make a huge, huge impact on the health of the country. So yeah, what I call daily herbs or everyday herbs, things that you would want to take uh, just to protect you. There are a lot of them out there, but I have my standard list that really comes from um, just looking at how do we protect all the cells and all the different systems in the body because we have a lot of different kinds of cells that need slightly different protection. So uh, it includes, uh, so, so my first herb is rhodiola. Mm-hmm. Um, really, rhodiola is from Siberia. A lot of people have heard of rhodiola now. It's a wonderful adaptogen. So adaptogens are herbs that are very safe to take long term, don't, don't have drug-like effects, but also uh, influence stress hormones of the body. And and so rhodiola is it does that and and you think about it it's um it's native to siberia a cold harsh climate at a higher altitude and it's uh so its chemistry is protecting the plant against those harsh conditions so what rhodiola is typically used for is adapting to physical and mental stresses. And it just does mm. this wonderful job of that. So it protects different systems in the body. It increases oxygenation of tissues. Um, really wonderful effects. Second on the list is a reishi, which is a mushroom, not like you would eat. It's mm-hmm. a, a shelf mushroom. You can find them in the woods most anywhere when you go hiking. Um that it's, uh, but reishi has been studied for its anti-cancer effects. It is an adaptogen, balances stress hormones, um, but it also is a wonderful immunomodulator. And what that means is it calms down overactive portions of the immune system, but bumps up underactive portions. So it has a balancing effect. And because it's not an immune stimulant, it is something that you can take every day. Also has some antiviral and antimicrobial properties. Uh, Turmeric. Everybody's heard of (laughs) turmeric. It is what you find in the curry in India. It's not considered an adaptogen. It really doesn't affect stress hormones, right? But it's wonderful for reducing inflammation. And it's thought that the turmeric in curries in India is the reason why in India they have a lower incidence of Alzheimer's and cancer compared to the rest of the world. 
GoToCola is another one that I really like. It's from India. Um, protects the brain, um, but it also has some really wonderful anti-diabetic effects, as does rhodiol and some of the other herbs. Um, milk thistle, extremely good for uh, protecting your liver. And we all need that because we're all getting more toxins than any humans ever before. Mm-hmm. Um, and we really get bumped. Our liver just takes a beating through our lifetime. Mm-hmm. And when your liver cells burn out, that's when your cholesterol goes up and your blood sugar goes up and your ability to process toxins goes down. So milk thistle actually stimulates regeneration of liver cells. And that's been documented in scientific studies. Let's see, what else? Maritime pine bark, that's a nice one that protects the vascular system along with hawthorn is a good vascular system and heart protectant. And uh, last on the list is for the GI tract. There's an herb called shilajit. Um, This is also from India, but it's found in other places. It's been used by native populations in Alaska and uh, and other northern latitudes. This is actually a plant substance that is fermented uh, by bacteria in the ground, and it, uh, it can be found around rocks and the Himalayas and other northern latitudes. And it's been found to uh, enhance longevity and use for health benefits for, it's been used for hundreds, probably thousands of years in those regions. But it's really high in humic and fulvic acid, which is really good for intestinal tract because, you know, humans used to eat food with dirt in it. We used Mm. to eat on the ground and we don't Mm. do that anymore. And we're not getting some of those things from those soil bacteria that are really important. And Shilajit provides that. So throw all those things together and that's a hefty level of just daily protection. That's, are there any, is there any contraindication for people taking, you know, whatever they're taking these days, statins or SSRIs or whatever, is that um, anything that needs to be uh, thought through in terms of combining this with uh, typical farm? Yeah. Um, Well, anybody can have a reaction to any herb, but fortunately that is very, very uncommon with these particular herbs. Mm -hmm. Um, The big things that people have to be aware of is all of these things are mild blood thinners. So if someone was on blood thinners for a heart condition or a history of stroke or something like that, they need to be aware of that. And that doesn't necessarily mean they can't take the herbs. It may mean, though, that they need to get their doctor to work with them to reduce the amount of the the drug they're taking. Um, also, people with uh, organ transplants who are on a lot of immunosuppressants, these things can boost the immune system or normalize the immune system, which you may not want to do. So I always tell mm-hmm. folks in that category to use caution. Um, I see, yeah, cross-purposes Other drugs, you know, that's that's one of the really nice things about these particular herbs. The drug interactions are really very, very low. Um, You know, you hear about that, but it's generally more drug-like herbs, like St. John's wort is commonly used as an example of something that can interfere with drugs. 
But that's in a, you know, I put that herb in a category of being, yeah, here's one you should probably use more caution with and should be probably be talking to an herbalist because it can cause some pretty significant interactions and you use it more like a drug. Um, so yeah, that's, uh, but that's one of the things that we define in the book is which herbs fit where. Mm-hmm. That that makes sense. I heard some interesting stories about rhodiola, and I'm sure you you know all about this. But I understand that there was a time in history where the Russians were using it with their athletes um, because of the oxygen uh, capacity, increased oxygen capacity. They probably still are, and uh-huh. we actually get the word adaptogens from the Russians, um, before the wall came down many years ago, there were Russian scientists who were looking for ways to improve worker performance. Um, Mm. And first they looked to drugs and they found that everything they tried failed. So they turned to things that were in their history, um, herbal therapy, and they looked at several herbs, ginseng, rhodiola, uh, Elothera, Raponicum, um, and found that, yeah, they did do exactly what they wanted to do. And they did some really wonderful studies. And when the wall came down, um, the rest of the world gained access to that information. And we've been building on it worldwide ever since. Um, but rhodiola was one of the original adaptogens, and yeah. it is widely used. So, it's uh, interesting history. I, I think I remember they also used it with their their uh, space. Uh, the astronauts were taking it as well. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's uh, a little story that that from from me. You know, early. Um, in, earlier in my career in life, Um, but post Lyme disease recovery, you know, I was still pretty good. I was in better shape and we started going on family ski vacations out West. And I can remember one time, you know, we went from sea level where I live all the way up to 11,000 feet in Colorado. And my kids had me out on the advanced slope that first day, which is just a recipe for altitude sickness. And I had loaded up on rhodiola for several days during that time and took a really big dose of it that morning. And uh, I didn't get altitude sickness. I, you know, and and I can't say my performance was extraordinary, <laughs> but. I was able it didn't to keep help up your with skiing. Them. Didn't help your skiing technique. Yeah, but I was able to keep up with them, <laughs> you know. And that's um, great. That's great. Yeah, I'm thinking about that for my tennis game too, especially yeah. in the heat. Yeah. That's great. So, Bill, where can people find out more? The book is extraordinary. It's a lot of research, but you do a really good job paring down, like for the rest of us who can't even pronounce these uh, herbs. You know, okay, here's your takeaway. And I really like the way it's organized. But where can people, where's the best way to find out more about your work and also the Vital Plan company? Yeah, thank you. Um, well, the book uh, is, of course, on Amazon, but also any other bookseller that you might want to go to. And so far, we've gotten some really wonderful uh, reviews on Amazon. Right now, 
85 five-star reviews. So pe wow. people seem to like it. It's great um, book. Yeah. We have a website, of course, cellularwellness.com, okay. with just ongoing information about the book. Um, our Vital Plan website is a source of uh, reliable quality supplements, but it's also a great source of education, um, mm -hmm. that there's a lot of information there. So folks that are just looking for uh, healthy aging, uh, just wellness in general, the, that's a place to go. I also vital, maintain vitalplan.com. Vital correct. Okay. Um, I also maintain a website, uh, rawlsmd.com, mm. and that's to serve our audience of uh, chronic Lyme disease, fibromyalgia, folks that are really, really struggling and they need a lot of attention. Um, we put a lot of energy into uh, providing information on that website. So it's something that um, I and my staff have been working on for years. And it's just a way to get reliable information out to that community. So it's uh, definitely a resource source worth looking at. Sounds great. And you are also active on social media. Yes. Yeah. Well, mm -hmm. everybody, I mean, if, if, if you want to tell your story these uh, yeah. days, you have to tell it on social media for sure. And what's your, uh, how can people find you on social? I, you know, I guess just look me up. I've, okay. I've, I've, I've uh, but yeah, we're out there on all the different channels. Um, I tried to put, you know, information out on YouTube, um, various kinds of Instagram things. So we're, we're constantly uh, trying to communicate, trying to get information out there that people can make reliable and, and good choices. That's, that's wonderful. So, Dr. Bill Rawls, the author of the new excellent book, The Cellular Wellness Solution. Uh, so, so always a pleasure to speak with you, Bill. I so appreciate uh, you uh, telling us your story and, and how this evolved for you. Um, it's great information, and it reminds me that I need to get back to my rhodiola. Yeah, there you go. Mm-hmm. Thanks so much. All right, uh, Nicole, thank you. Thank you so much for joining us on Zestful Aging. If you like the podcast, please share it with some of your friends. If you think decluttering could help you feel better and you could use a little assistance with that, check out the online course I've developed with professional organizer and designer, Carrie Luteran. It's called Too Much Stuff. And too much stuff is different from other courses or articles or guidance you may have used. Uh, we give you clear steps to deal with the clutter and the tools to help you face the overwhelming feelings and the emotions that come up when we're going through our clutter. And a lot of those emotions are just feeling anxious or guilty or just basically flooded with a lot of different confusing feelings. The course is really practical. It's realistic. The lessons are short and punchy, and they're really manageable. We're not trying to set you up for some long, exploratory, you know, super in-depth, uh, burdensome experience. We want something really helpful for you right now.
We all need help with our anxiety. So being surrounded by more calm and less chaos can really help. So now's a good time to clear out the clutter so we can focus on what's really important in our lives. So find out more at zestfulaging.com. You'll see more about this under the web courses tab. If you have any questions, just shoot me an email at zestfulaging at gmail.com. Thanks so much. And stay tuned next week for another interview with a fascinating and inspiring guest.